everyone for joining us another episode uh, of our podcast we now have a few episodes backed up and then hopefully we'll be catching up with those shortly but we are um like once again this i'm rashad norze joined with imam fuad muhammad and sarmad bukhari Assalamu alaikum, Imam Fuad and Sarmad. Wa alaikum wa I think I think we we've we've got all the formalities out the way, and I feel like um, jumping straight into things today. Um, I can't escape that you know I'm, I'm standing here next to my window um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing still an orange sky. It's a very it's a very weird uh, you know experience all day to see the sky like this. And the smoke that's coming along with it, you know, just out of curiosity, Imam Fuad, how are things uh, out in that area? You're not in California, but um, how are things in your area with with uh, maybe the fires or the smoke or anything that you're hearing about what's going on? Um, so, Alhamdulillah, our situation is not as bad as uh, California or even Oregon, at least okay. where I'm living. But we still have, um, you know, it, it, the skies, you can barely see the sun. Uh, it's not orange, but it's like more grayish. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you step outside, you actually like it's, it's it's very strong the smell that you know that's coming from the uh, the fires that are happening here. Um, but the fires that are here, uh, they're not you know as big as uh, what's going on elsewhere and the mm-hmm. northwest. But it's still like we uh, they set a, a advisory yesterday. Uh, where you can't have any outdoor fires anymore. You can't even mm-hmm. barbecue. You cannot. Um, no, you know, no type of fire can be lit outside for the you know next couple of days. Uh, I know that uh, they've closed down some of the uh, COVID nineteen testing centers uh, wow. because it happens outside. You know, due to the smoke that's happening, uh, and it's, it's it's very bad. But alhamdulillah, you know, I've seen pictures and I've seen uh, you know videos of what's going on elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Not that bad. Yeah, and and I know Starmud, you're out here in uh, in Northern California with me. Maybe what's been your experience so far? Yeah, it was really weird waking up this morning. Like the sky was completely orange. I mean, I I, I woke up at nine, a little late, later than I usually do, and I thought it was still six because mm-hmm. how dark it was outside. Um, you know, I, like Subhanallah, the amount uh, like. Even when it's cloudy weather, you kind of get a feeling that it's daytime. But this morning, it did not feel like day at all um, with, right. with the dark cloud and haze over, over Bay Area. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I've seen now pictures from different places. I'm sure people, it, it's, it's making global news. And um, it's funny, like we've talked about this before, but I have family across the world that sometimes will reach out to us when they hear the news about these fires to ask if we're okay. And uh, alhamdulillah, you know, I think many people are live away from these particular areas. Of course, there are, there are those who are affected directly by the fire. Um, but, uh, but I thought today, you know, we'd, uh, we'd start with this topic. We, we spoke a little bit last week about kind of, you know, the, the challenges that have come with this year and, and how people are responding to that, how people are maybe sometimes speaking negatively about the year or about, and so there's a reminder from the Prophet Salih that I'm not to, not to first time, right? And so I thought, you know, it's, it's hard to escape the, the news today and in the last couple of weeks. We've had record-setting, you know, heat wave. I heard here in California. Interestingly, they compared it to uh, to Iraq, which I was also having record-setting wow. temperatures. Um, and uh, similarly, it was like something crazy, like 120 in LA County. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like a record since the the recording of this information. Um, but in the midst of that, in the midst of the fires that have, they say the fires at this point of the year have already exceeded the peak fire, the amount of, uh, you know, uh, area that's burned during the peak fire season in, in another year. And we're just getting into the peak fire season of September, October. Um, and I thought, you know, hearing the news this morning, in contrast, there are uh, different, there are hurricanes that are happening in the Atlantic coast, off the Atlantic coast. Uh, someone I spoke to today told me that there was an earthquake today in New Jersey, over the East Coast. Um, and I, I heard a report of record flooding of the Nile River in Sudan. 
So true. Um, a state of emergency. So, you know, maybe just think, I, I thought it'd be an opportunity for us to sort of, sort of share some reflections as to what's happening, uh, how do we understand it as Muslims, um, what we can do about it, you know, and, and how we should, uh, you know, adjust or, or make changes to our lives if, uh, if that's what's called for. But to start out, I'm, I guess, you know, I'd like to hear from you guys a little bit about, like, how do we how do we understand this? Like, what's really happening here? After you, man, Um, you know, this is uh, this is really a sign for uh, for us to start thinking about, you know, what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, you know, the the reason why these things happen, and why does Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allow it to happen, and also at the same time, uh, you know, we should be concerned when we hear these things. But when you hear, uh, you know, like fires that, alhamdulillah, for the most part, they're not affecting us. When you hear about flooding that's not affecting us, earthquakes that are not affecting us, you know, these are things that we should look at and say, maybe the one that's going to affect us is on the way. Maybe the, you know, next time this fire, may Allah protect us, is going to happen in our backyards. And it's going to grow from there because we've seen it, you know, destroy homes and, uh, you know, destroy businesses. But it's not touching us. So when the... You know the, the the this type of trial people are going through it. We should be ones looking at it and preparing ourselves in case that happens. You know what? Are, are we ready for you know this type of uh, calamity to come to us? If there was you know not, like flooding here, are we ready for it? But we see it happening elsewhere. When is it going to be time for uh, you know for for it to happen to us? And when that time comes, are we prepared for it? Are we ready to go back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala with the way that we are? So it's a you know it's 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 something that we should look at and ponder over, and have we done anything that's protecting us from it? You know, are we doing the things that you know should be protecting us from these natural calamities that are happening, or are we just you know looking at it and not even uh, really because it's not affecting us? We're not too worried about it. Nice, man. Yeah, subhanAllah. I, I think one word that I've heard uh, repeatedly uh, on Twitter, among my coworkers, talking to them today, and, uh, you know, that one word that keeps coming to mind is apocalyptic. Mm. And I, 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 I almost smirk when I hear non-Muslims saying that, secular, you know, non-believers say that, because it's almost like, subhanAllah, it's right in their face. The, like, what does apocalypse mean? Do we need mm -hmm. to do a like etymological like definition? Like apocalypse mean the end of the world. Yeah. And it it, it, it just um it makes me subhanAllah think how how subhanAllah Allah subhanAllah says that like he has placed a veil over their eyes, over their hearts. Where Allah is showing us his signs. We are using the words in our languages to describe the end of time, the day of judgment, essentially, apocalypse. But yet yeah. We still do not recognize his power, but yet we still see people denying, you know, the reality of of, of the, the beginning and the end of this universe, of this of this world, of uh, you know, of Earth. So, so like, it's 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 really hard, um, as Muslims, like, not to get too negative in this type of environment. You know, there's a global health crisis. There's these fires happening and record-breaking temperatures. There's people who are not acknowledging you know the climate crisis that's happening the global climate crisis and you know i think i think about like like you said mentioned Mamfard, like you know our, what is our role as muslims mm. in all of this you know it's to turn people back to allah as you know mm. allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah rum ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت ايدي الناس ليذيقهم بعد الذي عملوا لعلهم يرجعون corruption has appeared on land and sea because of what the hands of human beings have wrought that he may make them taste a part of that which they have done in order that they may return to guidance. So, subhanAllah. Um, subhanAllah. Like yeah. the, the signs, wallah, as you mentioned, the signs are right right in our face. I, I, I wanted to see if I can kind of dig into that a little bit more because I feel like um, uh, this this point that you brought up, I, I even heard, uh, you know, my wife described this uh, when she left, I think, yesterday. So we had a similar kind of uh, overcast of, of clouds and smoke. And we, we have a similar saying. It's it's also used in a very, um, it, it's, it's from the religious context, but used in a very um, non-religious way, in a sense, where people say, like, what is it? Is it Qiyamat? And it's the same thing, right? Like, is it the apocalypse? 
Um, and so oftentimes, you know, we have these terminology that are infused into our understanding. If we grew up as Muslim, we have these concepts like Akhira, Qiyama, Day of Judgment, um, and other, other uh, cultures and practices have it as mm-hmm. well. But I'm curious from, from you guys' perspective, uh, why is it that um, maybe is there something about uh, people's lives or their psychology or the current time that people can be so overwhelmed with, uh, with the reality and how little control we have and how much, uh, um, how, much, how much change is happening and maybe this opportunity for turning back to Allah, where what is it that makes them not turn to Allah? Like, why is it, uh, why is it that so many people are trying to just, you know, figure out maybe some technical solution or some uh, scientific innovation that will somehow, um, which, which has its own place and its own value, but people seem to be turning to other types of prophets to understand what's happening, you know, from this perspective. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? What is it about uh, human nature that that is maybe preventing people from recognizing? Um, you know, I think that uh, when we look at, you know, these type of calamities, they're supposed to return us back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we, you know, we read many times in the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that people, when, when they're facing like a real calamity and their life is at stake, that is when they, you know, the, the, the fitrah or the, the, their inclination comes back for them to return to the only one that can save them. When we look at what's happening now, I feel like because it's like, in a sense, these things are so far away from us, right? It's so far away from, you know, our co-workers and uh, the people that live around us and the people that, you know, we interact with that it hasn't reached that point where they feel like there's no other way to turn to or no other person to go to except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when that calamity comes and it, it, it's, you know, affecting us, that's when you'll see people going back to their fitrah and saying, there is a God that is, you know, causing these to happen. What can I do to go back to that thing? So because, again, th- this thing is, you know, in a sense is distant, our hearts are not, you know, as shaken as if it were to be, uh, happening right next to us. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, interesting view on it. I'm also wondering, uh, as you were highlighting this, I think you are capturing something that I might have overlooked, which is maybe people are trying to turn back, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that the natural state, uh, and I think this is what uh, what you were referencing to that the natural state that Allah, uh, you know, reveals to us, and we we experience it. Um, so there's kind of like empirical data, there's revelation that's providing this in our own personal experience uh, attests to this, that in, in these types of difficult times, we, we, there's something about our fitra that wants to turn back or is seeking, you know, that understanding. Um, and maybe it's not that people are not looking to turn back. Maybe it's the, the leaders and the heads of those people that are, that are advocating for corruption or, or leading uh, the way to corruption. Who are mm. trying to make it seem like, oh no, no, this is nothing. It's just coincidence. Uh, there's other ways to explain what's happening. Um, none of it really matters. So maybe they're trying to sort of uh, move people away from that awakening uh, by by creating their own sort of fantasies or ideas around it. Um, and I think we see some examples of that. Sometimes politicians or play it. Um, like I heard, I was actually skeptical. I heard one of the reports about uh, it's uh, Gavin Newsom, the uh, the, the governor of California who says, quote, uh, like he has no patience for climate change deniers. So he's sort of at like maybe here's someone who's advocating for something positive, um, but still might be leveraging politics to uh, to manipulate people or benefit from this type of catastrophe. I'm wondering, you know, Sarma, when you highlight this corruption of, uh, has appeared on the land and sea, you know, I often hear this um, in reference to this this real connection but what is the connection there how is our actions of our heart or actions of our spirit translating to to like the fires or or earthquakes yeah i mean the corruption that we're talking about is like when we think of the word corruption i feel like we only think about like you know like political corruption or like you know, like a financial type of corruption, but they're, they're, they're like our, our ways of life, you know, like the small things that we do when we waste water, when we, when we don't live a sustainable life, when we, 
when we exploit the earth beyond beyond reason when we like you know the, like i mean those aren't small things by any means but like i i feel like the word corruption is seen as something big whereas it could be small things that build up you know it could be small actions on a daily basis that build up that, mm-hmm. that can cause that as well um those are just some thoughts that come to mind on the word corruption you know i, th- I think uh we uh, we 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 look down upon the smaller actions, thinking that it's something big that's that's happening, that's causing mm. this. Yeah, there seems to be um, there seems to be a resurgence in. Well, it's it's a weird time. I remember maybe ten, twenty years ago, or, or longer than twenty years ago, when I was growing up, there was a big movement towards environmentalism. Towards you know, there was the classic. Uh, um, the documentary with uh, uh, what was his name, uh, the former vice president and presidential candidate. Um, so you kind of had this wave of, of moving towards you know recycling and making an effort. Um, like in my sen- in my experience, it almost seems like the group of people who uh, don't think you know that that's a solution that our individual actions matter um, is sort of growing at least in voice. Um, I don't know like maybe how should we perceive this or how should we approach this as Muslims? Uh, does does maybe Islam clearly is a way of life and clearly has guidance and direction for us? I'm wondering, you know, kind of what you guys' personal experiences or what your advice is for someone to, to understand this appropriately and how to act uh, as a result of it. You know, the uh, before we answer that question, one of the things that I wanted to add to what, uh, you know, Salamad was saying, when it comes to the corruption that we're spreading, you know, like, again, we think of, you know, the, the big corruptions. But in reality, it's the small ones that we continuously do that, you know, quickly add up. And then uh, these calamities come. One of the things that I was thinking about, you know, when I uh, last night I was watching the, the houses that were burning down or the, you know, and the business that were being burnt. They were all built in places that, you know, maybe uh, their creation was for something else. Right, you have, uh, you know, as humans, uh, we like to go everywhere, build wherever we want to, without really caring for, you know, what we do to the natural environment around us. I feel like, you know, when we do those type of corruptions and we're there long enough, those same houses are the ones, and uh, or that, you know, same buildings that are there are the ones that are going to be destroyed when things like this come. And then instead of realizing, okay, maybe this is, you know, the place where. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the calamities come and we should move away from this place. We continue to, you know, a house is burned down, that house is going to be built at the same place again. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you hear like one house continuously gets burned down with the fires and like the flooding and, and these things, they usually happen in, you know, in, in a, a certain area. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, like in cities where, uh, you know, these things are, buildings are just catching on fire. But it's places that, you know, we go and i feel like because of that transgression of ours of going and uh you know building upon it and trying you know not caring for the environment around us this is the result that it leads to that's interesting i'm also wondering if there's a component here like a question that would come up is well you know if there is corruption it's being done by a bunch of other people and the harm is being the impact is being felt by uh you know uh, immigrant communities or uh, communities of lower, you know, social status or social class, uh, and in some cases, I mean, you're talking about countries like Sudan that are facing the the flood. May Allah make it easy for them. The fires that are happening here, or even other uh, issues, it's it's often it's quote unquote uh, what's defined or what's categorized as like third world countries. It's countries that aren't the ones that are technically involved in the environmental corruption. So maybe what's is it is it right to think that like why would Allah punish people or or sort of affect people afflict people who may not be the cause of that right versus yeah. where he whereas here the ayah that Sarmad quoted it talks about that um, they may taste part of what they have done in order that they may return so it makes sense for the people who are causing the corruption for them to be um, afflicted but what is the experience like for others you know people that are faced with losing family members because of COVID or people that have lost family members because of fires who may not, who may be genuinely good people. Just kind of a thought that comes up from, from maybe conversations that people would have around when you start to associate 
a law with being responsible or being allowing these types of things to happen and, and there being some meaning and purpose behind it. You know, uh, this reminds me of a, of a hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he describes, you know, mankind as a society. Uh, mm -hmm. He says, you know, it is like we're on a boat. Uh, you have people that are on the, the upper decks and the lower decks. Those that are on the upper decks, they have, uh, you know, they, they have the luxuries. And then the people on the, the lower decks, they're unable to even, uh, you know, get water. So they decide together, let's poke a hole in this boat and get, you know, let the water in so that we can drink it. But when they do that, what happens? What would happen? You know, the lower deck, someone allows the whole, boat, the whole boat sinks. The whole boat sinks. So even hmm. if the corruption is being caused by, you know, a a certain you know part of the, uh, of uh, of the society, everyone is going to be affected. The Prophet sallallahu hmm. alaihi wasallam in a you know very long hadith at the end of it, he said, uh, the uh, Umm Salama she asks him, uh, You know, are we going to be destroyed if there's righteous people amongst us? And the Prophet hmm. sallam said, Naam, You're all going to be destroyed if you know the lewdness and evilness has spread so mm. even the the righteous people meaning they're going to be destroyed along with it because they allowed the you know the corruption to go on and nobody really did anything so the the, the effects of someone causing corruption is going to be felt by every single person right mm. because we are collectively allowing this to happen right yeah yeah, I, I think one other thing I think that comes up here is this this example that you gave is beautiful because it actually, and, and what Sarmad highlighted as well, um, it's difficult today to have a conversation with people about mm. the the metaphysical implications, right? So it's mm. it's not just that it's not just that let's say we are uh, over consuming from a you know physical uh, uh, resources perspective. Um, it's not just that maybe we're not properly managing, you know, forests. Um, a lot of people are looking to just these solutions or just these causes um, for for the outcomes that we're seeing, uh, the effects that we're seeing. And in fact, there's so many examples like uh, the Quran. Actually, uh, in my in my view, when the Quran speaks about previous generations and examples of Allah's. Uh, you know, uh, waking people up through these types of uh, experiences. He doesn't invest time in explaining the process, right? Like mm -hmm. a flood happens because there's too much rain and this region uh, doesn't have enough, you know, resources to properly redirect that water or there isn't a dam that you can build. Um, so, but because there's a broader picture to, to look at, um, there's an understanding that, that goes beyond just the, uh, the immediate right do we have enough firefighters right is that the solution you know for for the fire uh fires that we're seeing? it may be part of the solution um but it doesn't begin or end with that uh in fact the relationship with the law and the righteous action calling people uh, to good seems like it's a much bigger responsibility um as well as our individual actions our personal lives and i'm i'm wondering if you guys have some some thoughts or perspectives on uh, maybe how how we how you view this as an individual um, uh, as an individual practicing Islam, but also as as part of the community who wants to adhere to um, uh, adhere to Islam and the principles that Allah. Uh, Yes, man, I feel like we have such a big responsibility as Muslims in this area. Like we should be the pioneers. We should be the, you know, first people to advocate for the preservation of the earth and on local and global level for that matter. Um, you know, the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam when he says, uh, you know, if the day of resurrection was to be established upon you while, you know, you have a seed in your hand, then let him, then the Muslim who has that, let him plant it. Mm -hmm. Like let him plant it. So what about, like, this is only looked at from the perspective of, oh, of take action. But, you know, at that time, or even throughout life, you know, like being action-oriented. But what about this fact that, you know, the Prophet ﷺ is, is emphasizing the importance of, in, from this perspective, of permaculture. Permaculture is, you know, the, the, the art of preserving ecosystems. Uh, and there's a whole science behind this. Like, locally, I think Zaytuna does a permaculture, like, they have a permaculture... Um, uh, 
course that you can take for like mm. you know two to three weeks, and they'll they'll have experts come in and teach you the art of you know creating food forests and doing design workshops and helping you learn the art of preserving uh, a farm, it's and etc. So you know, I, I feel like as Muslims, like we're not taking that fully upon ourselves to be pioneers in this space and, and you know, to advocate for, for this. There's a recent campaign that I saw a lot of YouTubers promoting. It was called Team Trees. Mm. Some of the YouTubers that I follow were, were, were promoting this. Essentially, there was some company that was using drones to plant trees. And their goal was to plant like 20 million trees in like one month or by the end of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Imran Khan, for example, in Pakistan, he had a national campaign that, that got him actually, that helped him win his election. He, he before he became president or... Uh, before he like he ran for for, for presidency, right. like yeah. he, he had a goal of planting ten billion trees in Pakistan, um, and um, he 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 achieved that. And like now, I think he's upping it. Like he's trying to do even more than that. So like, you know, examples like that globally inspire me. But you know, locally as well, I mean, individually in our daily lives, what are we doing? I remember the example of a brother who visited me a couple of years ago when I was single, and I remember uh, you guys know him, so I won't mention his name. I remember he was. He was using the restroom. He was like, he was taking a shower, and I noticed the water wasn't on at all. And he walked out, and I'm like, "You took a shower already? How, how'd you take it so quick?" And you know, like you, you barely used any water. And what he had done was that he had just turned on the water for like literally ten seconds, turned it off, got himself wet. You know, obviously applied soap and everything, and then turned it back on and rinsed himself. I have never seen uh, anyone take that quick of a shower. Hmm. And I asked him, "Bro, it's okay." Like I thought maybe he was doing it because like he didn't want to put the burden on me because the expense. I'm like. Hey, don't worry about it. Like the landlord pays for the water. This was, by the way, peak of our drought. This was during the peak mm. of the California drought. Subhanallah. You know, there was there was there was an initiative to like get people to use less water. Um, and he and and I I was like maybe maybe he's doing it from a financial perspective. Like, hey, don't worry about it. Like the landlord covers the water bill. And he's like, no, that's not why I was doing it. Like, we have a role to play. You know, like we should, you know, we should be we shouldn't be wasting water. And the Prophet ﷺ said this himself. He said, if you're at the bank of a river, do not waste water. If you have unlimited supply, don't waste water. Well, what about in, 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 in rough in rough times? What about in times when like there's a drought? Uh, even more so. So yeah, I feel like we have a huge responsibility to play, and um, we're really falling short in that space. You know, um, I think one of the other reasons, or like one of the main reasons, why we as Muslims don't really pay attention to the environment, we have you don't really see uh, you know a movement that emphasizes Islam completely, right? Mm-hmm. When, like, if we really think about it, when you hear that this hadith of the Prophet saying, you know, do not waste water, even if you have, you know, a flowing stream, and this is, if if the if the stream is flowing, you this is like, where's the water going to go? It's gonna, you believe that it's going to always be there. Now yeah. we don't have those in our homes, right? This is we know that one day this water that we use inside of our homes are going to go out. But the fact that, you know, we as Muslims, if we look at the, uh, like, Islam has become something that, you know, we don't really apply all of its teachings, right? Because of, you know, how our societies have been shaped and the things that people tend to focus on more than the, uh, the you know, the other, like, the other aspects of Islam that we should really be focused on in our times. So when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, caring for the environment and, and, you know, being people that are responsible, for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us in charge of, then it's like, you know, we have so many other issues we have to fix before we get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is, I think, always, it's an interesting, it's interesting to see people like teeter-totter between different areas uh, of uh, the different parts of the spectrum. For example, I, I sometimes find people that completely overlook like sunnahs of the Prophet, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. to pray during, uh, for rain. Right, and we have so many beautiful examples about that uh, in our history, and, and wonderful examples uh, regarding it. Um, so that, that's kind of, and then there's other people who only emphasize that, right? They, they all they think that Islam is just the prayer part uh, regarding this. They don't look at the individual actions that they can take in order to conserve uh, resources. They might not even look at the responsibility to advocate for. Um, for, you know, environmental friendly actions or even within their family or their friends, 
let alone if they have the capacity or, or the skills to advocate at a policy level or from a, you know, for, from a politics perspective or a legal perspective. Um, and I, I like what you said is that sometimes we're neglecting to fully embrace and fully practice uh, what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. And uh, the beautiful thing is that for everyone, what they're doing, inshallah, it's to the best of their capacity. Mm -hmm. But hopefully by understanding that the Prophet that I said I'm, uh, had, to, had a more comprehensive and balanced approach uh, to the issues that, uh, that existed, even though at that time I'm, I don't imagine that anyone was walking around measuring you know, uh, droughts or measuring uh, consumption of water. So it's not like he was speaking from a perspective of, you know, I know this type of issue exists and we now have a lot of data. You know, we know about the water shortages. We know about global climate change and, and the data associated with that. Um, so it's even more of sort of an evidence potentially for us or against us. And, and hopefully we can recognize that that those uh, those teachings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, were, were balanced both from the spiritual perspective all the way to the practical perspective, um, which I like that you highlighted that. I don't think there's a lot of other examples similar to that. In, in other world philosophies or, or visions of, of how to approach living in this, in this world today. Yeah, you know, I think uh, this should really show us the importance of, you know, every single person learning about their Islam, learning really, you know, what Islam is about and the, uh, when we say La ilaha illallah, what is expected from us to do, right? When we have, uh, you know, the, these things in our deen that Unfortunately, we're so unaware of, then we don't really have that desire to change anything. Because mm -hmm. when you look at the Muslims, when we see, uh, you know, these protests for climate change or uh, even the initiatives to, you know, combat climate change and all of these, you, do not, you don't see the Muslims there. And I feel like the reason why you don't see them there is because they, you know, that, that, that thing comes when they don't understand that, you know, we're responsible for this, uh, for this earth here. It's, I'm going to leave this dunya anyways. Why should I be worried about what happens to it and when it ends? Why should, mm -hmm. I, why should that concern me? So true. Yeah, so like, so true. but if we learn, like, while we're here, we're not only going to be asked about our, like, individual actions. We're going to be asked about what we did to, you know, where we walked. The ground is going to testify against us. What we did. Or what we didn't do, right? It's not just about the things you do, but the things you didn't do. Mm, so absolutely. Yes, Allah. Yeah, that secular, modern, that secular and modern uh, lens of like worldview has really, really uh, caused some of this corruption. That you know, like you said, we no longer feel a responsibility be, uh, for our actions because, as as you said, like it's not our problem. Like even the whole climate crisis, what, what is the entire discussion about? It's about whether or not it's our responsibility or our great-grandchildren are going to have to suffer for us. Like, on a national level, that's all it is. It's a flat-out rejection of our responsibility because we feel like we will not suffer the consequences, either in this world or the next. Hmm. I think like this just clarifies it for all of us that really... Uh, when we don't think something is going to impact us, why should we care about, you know, the our children or even their children? And it yeah. should not be like that because you are like the way, you know, the what we were given the earth in a state that was not what we have done to it, right? The best we yeah. can do is try to, you know, when someone gives you something, you give it back in the best way possible, maybe even better than the way that you were given. But what we're doing is the opposite. We were giving, you know, something as a gift, and now we're going to destroy it and give it back destroyed. Yep. Uh, yeah. The uh, this so we're, we're going to end up having a lot of conversations about this uh, secular modern um, or secular liberal worldview. Um, I, I've been hearing it more now, especially among you know activists and, and uh, scholars in the Muslim community. Um, and even scholars in the academic community, um, there's, there's, we're starting to see that there's a recognition of sort of a, a fabric that's interwoven in into society from from media, from academics, from um, you know uh, like 
public concepts that are that are uh, that are often referred to. Um, and so most people don't recognize that there's something else there that uh, that motivates their understanding about the world that they're a part of their worldview. Um, for those that are familiar with uh, with Project 100, uh, the Mass National team has this excellent project, Project 100, and it gives a chance for for youth and young professionals to be involved in the program. And uh, uh, you know, one of the particular sections is under this: uh, what is the Islamic worldview, and what is a worldview? Um, so I feel like w I hope we in the future we get a chance to dissect that a little bit more. Maybe we can bring on uh, the professor that teaches that back in, uh, for that that. Uh, Mm. That but the reason Probably. I highlighted it is because I've heard this from other people, and I think it's a funny word uh, that they use to describe this. They call it shaitanic, and it's it's a funny you know playoff of the word satanic. Um, but it, um, I, I sometimes ask myself, is it really just coincidence uh, that people are are moving away or sometimes being pushed away? from recognizing Allah, from recognizing the meaning of their life, from recognizing the value uh, of the world that they're a part of and their responsibilities, the moral and ethical implications of their life and their purpose in life. And, you know, the more, the more I reflect on it and the more I try to extract like uh, an understanding from the Quran, um, it's not just something that happens by accident. You know, like our understanding of Islam is that the fitrah, you know, this, this core innate uh, understanding that every human being has is, is uh, pure and it recognizes its relationship with Allah. It's not something that automatically is corrupt or automatically seeks out corruption. Sure, we have the, uh, the, the lower self that is inclined towards, you know, base desires, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that people, if left alone, would actually turn against Allah or reject him or deny him. No, in fact, if people were left alone, the very natural inclination to recognize Allah, the, maybe the specifics of, of practice in Islam and the Sharia itself are things that are, are derived through revelation. And so it, it makes me realize that this, it's not just a neutral group. It's not just a neutral idea. Uh, so it's not like there's a good version of how to approach the world, and that's the proper understanding of your relationship with God. And then there's this kind of neutral one that everybody else falls in, uh, this sort of secular, modern, liberal uh, agenda that's being driven. In fact, that is an active agenda, you know, sort of it's a wolf mask in sheep's clothing, um, which, which is driving people to misunderstand their true nature to misunderstand, you know, Islam and revelation and these concepts. Um, but uh, I, I sort of was just reflecting on that because as, as we mentioned it, and I'm sure we're going to mention it more in the future, there is something uh, that's underlying why people, like what you said at the beginning, Sarmad, why people recognize that this is like apocalyptic, but don't understand what the implications of that are, right? And so it's almost as though it's, it's a way that they've, become manipulated, right? Or they've become deceived. And that's what I was getting at, which is that this, this shaitanic model or this, you know, uh, there are, there are efforts obviously by the chief enemy uh, of the human and those that ally with him to, to actually deceive people from properly understanding reality and, and their relationship with Allah. Yeah. SubhanAllah. So I, I might have gone. I might have gone a little deep into that uh, that aspect of it, but maybe to pull things back and, and maybe highlight just one more question in, in the time we have left. I'm mm. curious for you guys. Um, obviously, like looking outside and, and seeing the the sky, or like there are some real impacts of what's happening around the world, right? I think I wonder for you guys, how do you balance? Um, this experience and how you feel about how the environment is being corrupted with what, what you could argue is even a greater corruption, right? Uh, an even greater facade, which is the killing of innocent people on the streets, um, particularly uh, people of, uh, of black or, or brown ethnicity and color. Um, I'm, and, and obviously the other issue that we don't actually highlight enough that I hope we can dedicate some time to, uh, the, the persecution and the oppression of, of 
the Uyghur Muslims, um, of the Rohingya, of, you know, we, we haven't even, I can't remember the last time someone mentioned, uh, you know, the, 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 the conflict with the, the occupation of Palestine. Uh, so there's so many other things globally, but even locally. Um, and is it, is it, are people forgetting about these issues? Or do you think people are properly understanding how they relate to the environmental issues? It's, it's unfortunate that property is damaged uh, in a fire, but mm-hmm. uh, is that really you know, comparable to innocent people being uh, you know, shot or killed? I don't think uh, like any, anybody would say it's comparable because the buildings, you know, they, they'll eventually come back. But a life loss will never come back. But the issue is that there's so many things going on at the same time where you can't really focus on one thing over the other. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you have, uh, like you said, you have, you know, the, the, the situation that the Uyghur Muslims are going through because, again, we feel like they're so far away from us. We don't really you know, feel the impact of it. Right, we don't like sadly, uh, the, the ummah is not how it used to be. To where, if someone is suffering far away, the people that are not close to them are going to feel their pain. To us, now it's whoever can mention them, we're like, okay, we've heard it, there's really nothing we can do about it, so we'll move <laughs> on from it. Same thing with the yeah. Palestinian issue, same with the Rohingya. All of these calamities that are coming at the same time, we see it as like, unfortunately, this is not our problem. It's, it's the problem of over there. Nothing's happening to me here, and I'm safe here. Nothing's going, you know, like, I'm okay. So if I'm okay, why, you know, should I bother myself by thinking about these people that are far away? And this is really the sad, you know, reality of it. In the beginning of, you know, these calamities, when you see it, there is, of course, that drive that, you know, these, these are Muslims that are suffering. They're going through these. But then after a while, it becomes an afterthought, sadly. Hmm. What do you think, Sanwat? Yeah, SubhanAllah. Honestly, it's becoming really hard to keep up with everything. Really hard. I mean, after Trump got elected, I tur- I stopped consuming news because it was starting to get very negative. And, you know, and at some point, I, had, I left Facebook as well because everything was all about, you know, it's just an onslaught of, of uh, emotions that you're exposed to, fitna mm-hmm. that you're exposed to, that other imposing on you. Like, I don't even want to hear or read about this. I don't want my mind consumed with this stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've gradually gone, gone back and forth with social media. I use Twitter mostly now because I feel mm-hmm. like it's the, plat- it's the one platform where I actually learn from others rather than just being, uh, rather than just it becoming like a social, you know, popularity contest type of space where I'm being exposed to things that other people are, 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 are sharing. Mm-hmm. I mean, so long story short, like, you know, like, like you mentioned, it's, it's really hard to keep up with everything because like back to back, I mean... Just this year, I mean, we talked about this last week, not mm-hmm. saying, you know, negative things about the time. But uh, if you just reflect on this year, 2020, like, um, you know, the, the amount of news that we've had to consume so on, on things, uh, it's, it's, it's been overwhelming. It's really been overwhelming. And, and again, the term apocalyptic comes to mind because the Prophet said, them said, you know, towards the end of times, you'll see a lot of, of, of fitna. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want this to be like a negative tone thing where we are like, you're predicting the day of judgment you know, happening right around the corner, but we should be prepared individually. Like the prophet said, our day of judgment starts the day you die. So that could happen today and that could happen tomorrow. Yes. So, you know, I think it should all be a reminder for us to turn towards God. It should be a reminder for us to value the importance of relationships, mm-hmm. of, of having a community, of having brotherhood, of sticking to the Quran. Like those are the things it should remind us to do as Muslims. You know, I, I wanted to bring one other point here, which uh, which is relevant related to this because of what you both said. This this sort of like personal responsibility and understanding the impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm, I might be stretching here, but there I see a connection. You know, or I, at least uh, you know, in my analysis, there there's a potential connection because um, I, I heard today about news. So. If you guys are familiar, you guys have kids, or if you guys are at least from the generation that's familiar with the movie Mulan, uh, Disney did a reboot of that movie. Um, it's a very popular movie, uh, and it was a big marketing push. Surprisingly, like you have to pay on top of the Disney subscription, you have to pay like uh, thirty dollars to watch the movie, which uh, which in a, in a 
and a time like this sounded kind of incredible for me. But interestingly, I heard that there were uh, a BBC News report that highlighted um, that, that, that Disney was criticized for filming Mulan in the uh, mm-hmm. Xinjiang province in China, right? What they're, they're calling Northwest China. So it's almost um, it's almost a recognition of this sort of, the, the, there. there's this connection between the interest of, of governments and, and uh, large corporations who are probably the primary actors when it comes to the, the corruption that occurs from an environmental perspective, the corruption that it occurs from, uh, you know, a, a, so, a justice and, and uh, legal perspective, as well as the, the oppression that occurs in, in these direct cases, like in the case of China, um, with, with the relationship and the benefit that comes uh, and the, what we sometimes don't recognize, right? So we almost sort of passively participate in the world and society, maybe I would take thirty dollars and pay um, for this one movie because I like it, or someone someone else will like it. Not recognizing that um, it it has either a direct or somehow uh, you know relationship with the incar- incarceration of the the Muslim Uyghurs uh, in that region, and I, I find it funny because you you have to sort of you have to sort of step away from everything, right? And I wonder if it's a strategy, right? If it's a strategy, I have heard this strategy from from particular governments where they spread so much misinformation, disinformation, and confusion that ultimately people feel like uh, either what does it matter, right? You know, it's all the same, or I can't really do anything. I'm just one person. Um, and I think this to me is sort of a, a symptom um, and a strategy that that seems like it's actively being deployed to to confuse people, to spread disinformation and misinformation, and make you feel so overwhelmed that you feel like, well, the best I can do is I'll maybe do my part, you know, and I won't really like try hard to figure out what my part is, but um, if it's convenient, you know, I'll do some of the things that uh, that that may be be beneficial if if it's just my own actions. Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've I've you know been on social media the past couple of days and hearing about you know the uh, what's going on with Mulan and you know the, the Muslim community trying to uh, advocate you know for us not watching it and I hope that you know we're able to follow them and you know the the leaders that are telling us not to watch it and you know not spend our money on these people but at the end of the day you know the when it comes to the corruption, you know, we, of course, we know that, you know, the governments and the uh, people with power, they cause more corruption. But at the end of the day, the, uh, you know, our leaders are a reflection of, you know, the people that they're leading. They came from the same people, you know, that they were leading. So Mm -hmm. if we were to change individually, that is going to, you know, cause the people around us to slowly change. And then from there, you go on to the people around them. And then eventually it reaches uh, all the way where we're going to have, you know, meaningful impact. So let's say I convince, you know, my whole neighborhood not to watch this thing. They convince, you know, their co-workers, I convince my co-workers and so on. It will get to the point where nobody's going to watch it. But because we think, you know, I'm only one person, there's nothing that, you know, I can really do. Why, why even do, why bother doing anything? Right. And then that's yeah. when the situation is not going to change. Yeah, it kind of reminded me what you mentioned last time, Sarmad. Uh, the ayah, you know, um, or, or correct me if I, if I misquoted uh, that. Yeah. But the idea that Allah says, like, do people think that will be, they will be left alone to say that they believe and they won't be tested? And it makes me imagine that this, these small sort of inconveniences are like, like they say that the lowest bar is at least to hate, you know, the evil in your heart. But then there's so many little things that we can do to take action. Why should we feel overwhelmed? Why should we feel inconvenienced? I think that that psychological state of feeling overwhelmed, in my opinion, comes from two places. Um, one, that, that you think that the actions and the plans of this other group are, are so effective and so, you know, widespread that it doesn't matter what you do, or you think that the one who is in control of all this 
is is not going to act right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who who is the best of planners who is in control of every aspect of what's happening um will not decide to do something about it but of course whether he decides to take judgment of people in this life or the next life his justice is is complete you know his justice will be complete um either in this life or the next and he's not asking us to to uh, create a utopia right and i think this is often the problem that uh, the other aspect or the other problem that we run into is that as Muslims, it's like it's either a utopia or it's not worth it. We're just right. going to wait till heaven. Right. right? And or, or the Mahdi is going to come and it's, we're going to have a utopia. Right. There's this perfect example right. of society. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that utopia, the best of creation, the Prophet wasallam, wasn't given that utopia in his time. Um, and it's actually there's yeah. something different that we could we could assess. And I, I imagine that who would I be in the time of uh, the Sahaba? Would I be someone that complained, oh, it's too hot to go out to this uh, expedition? Oh, why are we always giving from our money? You know, I want to be spending it on this or that. Um, or, oh, why are we always like having problems with everybody? Why don't we just like, you know, take it easy, for example? Um, so it, it's almost like if you think about the day-to-day -day experience, why would it have been any different for us uh, than it was for them? If we're claiming to be part of that same ummah, if we're claiming to be people who are bearers of this message and trying to live uh, uh, that live our iman in the way that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is teaching us, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Subhanallah. You know, it's uh, it's ajib. Like we have, you know, fallen into the trap of you know those that are able to make change by telling us that you know we can't do anything. Hmm. And, and you know we have to just wait for better times and they're going to come without us doing anything but we know the reality is that you are not going to attain even that utopia without you doing anything right when yeah. like let's say we're even looking forward to imam mahdi coming i don't believe that you know us by just sitting and waiting that when imam mahdi comes we're going to be part of that utopia but it's going to hmm. be the people that you know actually struggled and they were Preparing the place, you know, for that utopia that are going to be, you know, rewarded for it. But if we just tell ourselves right. there's nothing we can do, we're just going to sit behind and, you know, just worry about, you know, our lives. Uh, who cares about my neighbor? Who cares about my family? All of these things, then we're going to be, you know, there will be nothing for us, you know. And then also, uh, one thing that, you know, I want to really uh, say that I was thinking about this whole time. All of these trials that are happening. The people in different places, they're being tried, they're being tested with whether it's a flood, whether it's the fires, whether it's, you know, having, be, having to be in concentration camps or, you know, being kicked out of your country, whatever it is. Us, on the other hand, we're being tested by the luxuries of this world. Hmm. And all of us are going to have to answer for these things. Were the people that went through the, uh, you know, the trials of being in concentration camps, were they able to have sabr? And were we able to be thankful? for this test that we're going through or are we going to forget you know all of these tests because in reality what do, what have we done to to earn you know what we have right what, what makes it so okay. special that these you know this fitna and these files they're not affecting us we haven't done anything right this is what allah <laughs> chose to give us so how are we are we going to be from those that are going to be thankful for it and really say allah has placed me in this situation now i have to do something for those that are not as blessed as i am you know mm. so it's really yeah. you know time for us to look around and say okay they're being tested and i'm not being tested what have i done and if i haven't done anything then for this blessing i should do something yeah subhanallah both of these ideas both uh imam Fahad and rashad that you just mentioned um i feel like i was just looking up the the ayah in the quran that talks about the uh the you know allah's made us that he has made us successors, stewards, custodians of the earth. And I was just reading the verse in Spanlight. Like both of those concepts are encompassed in this verse. Look at the rest of this verse. It says, and it is he, this is in Surah Na'am, uh, Ayah 165. And it is he who has made you successors, guardians, custodians upon the earth, and has raised some of you above others in degrees of rank, that he may test you through, that he may try you through, what he has given you indeed your lord is swift in penalty but indeed he is forgiving and merciful mm. subhanallah that in the same verse that allah is talking about 
that he has made us custodian stewards on the earth. He's saying that he has put us in different ranks. He has put us in different areas of, 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 of you know, of luxury or, or poverty, that he may try you through what he has given you. Mm-hmm. And indeed, your, your Lord is uh, swift in penalty, but he is also forgiving and merciful. And it seems like it seems like it's capturing not just, you know, economic circumstances, it's capturing the time, you know, responsibilities, ability, the political, uh, you know, clout that some have over others in today's world. And, you know, social media influencers. Right. Like Mm -hmm. when we talk about it, how many people really everybody works hard, you know, to become a social media influencer. So why did a few you know, kind of uh, acquire that spot versus others. There's a really interesting article that does uh, an analysis of that, of, of how often people think it's their hard work, but they don't recognize what the article says is luck. But really, I think what we recognize yeah. is Allah determining and choosing people, right? Um, so many, your age, your lifespan, your wealth, your capacity, um, your, your intellectual, mm-hmm. you know, academic level, uh, level, so it's incredible how many different areas here that could be applied to. Subhanallah, you know, you know this whole dunya, this whole life, from the time you're born until you pass away, this is just a test, right? We know that we're going to stand. So tests don't only come when things are getting hard or things don't go your way. Everything is a test, right? The times of ease and the times of hardships. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, in this ayah that uh, Solomon mentioned, it can even mean like, those that were giving eyesight, they're going to be asked about their eyesight and they were given favor over those that didn't have eyesight. Right? So it's like even these small things where you're going to be asked about what did you do with these things? So when we yeah. have these bigger blessings, us of safety and others of, you know, having through and not being in a safe situation, both of us are going to be asked about it. Right? The one that's not safe is going to be asked about what did he do in that time? The one that was safe, what did he do in that time? Mm-hmm. Man, so uh, I really appreciate this. I thought if you guys uh, have any closing thoughts, um, but I, I, I think we covered a lot of the different areas that I was hoping to touch on today. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll leave it to you guys if you have any closing thoughts, inshallah. Um, I hope that you know these all of these calamities that are happening that Allah has protected us uh, protected us from are really going to allow us to wake up and be able to see the blessing that we are in. You know, the turmoils that people are going through that we're very saved from them without us having to do anything. I hope that through it, you know, we're going to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and actually prepare for, you know, what everybody's thinking. That time that when this dunya ends, are we going to be ready for it? I hope that, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, when there, there are certain signs that when they come, Iman is not going to benefit you when you believe at that time. If you see all of these signs... And it doesn't do anything for Iman. What happens when the bigger signs actually come? So we have to think, in this state, this is how we are. How are we going to be later on if, if you know, big ones come? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. So I hope that, you know, we take lessons from what is going on all over the world. And not only that, but how rapidly it's happening. A couple of years ago, maybe you've, you only heard about, you know, fires in California. Now it's in everywhere, right? You have, I think, maybe four or five years ago, we... It was very rare for us in you know Seattle uh, to hear about fires and the the sun actually being covered because of those fires that are happening. And mm. you know, if I drive 20 minutes from my house, highways are closed down because of these fires. What's going to happen next year? And what am I doing to prepare myself for that time? Is that you know which calamity is going to wake me up? You know. Mm. So I hope these are enough for us to uh, return back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Yeah, I, I just add something small to that, which is. You know, if you have opportunities, like ask yourself questions about what's happening and ask others around you, whether it's your children, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's your coworkers, um, even a small question just to to not not to uh, teach or to to, uh, you know, uh, convey the religion, but even just to get them thinking a little bit about the experience. Maybe uh, there's a chance to either open up a conversation or or get them to inquire further about, um, you know, what's, what's taking place in the world. And maybe that will bring them towards, uh, towards some value in their life. But that questioning, I think, helps people really start to um, put themselves in a different uh, set of shoes 
and start to look at things uh, that they might have otherwise overlooked um, uh, through a different lens. No. Uh, anything, Starma, you wanted to close with? Um, no, Michelle, both of you guys covered it. That you know, I think these are these are signs for us in, in modern times that we should uh, have, be a wake up call for us to return to Allah, as he mentions in that verse that we started the podcast with. Um, and you know, I was doing some research and and, and, and looking at what the Prophet Sallam uh, emphasized about uh, you know the the role that we should have as as Khulafa al Ard as stewards and custodians of the earth. You know, I found an amazing hadith in Sahih Muslim. Uh, in Riyadh al-Salihin, it's mentioned, Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, may Allah be pleased with him, reported, the Messenger of Allah said, the world is sweet and green, and verily Allah is making you to succeed each other generation after generation in it in order to see how you act. So beware of how you treat this world, how, beware of your actions and what you do in this world, and beware of your treatment and relationship with women. SubhanAllah. Hmm. Um, if you don't mind, Imam Fuad, you can close us out with the dua. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to take benefit from what is happening around us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wake us from the ghafla that we're in, the heedlessness that we find ourselves in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for those that are going through these tests. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these tests elevate them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever is going on in Sudan, may Allah make it easy for the brothers and sisters that are going through it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deliver this, deliver them from these trials, you know, with iman and with uh, with health. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect the Muslims all over the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us good in this world and in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the punishment of the hereafter. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-naab. صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين جزاكم الله خيرا بذر الشاد صرمت was very nice talking to you both I'll see you guys again next week إن شاء الله جزاك الله خير السلام عليكم الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته